on the social media platforms. Just search for Ron Upshaw or Don O'Neill. All right, you guys, what's going on? It's episode 291 now of the Ron and Don Show. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Yeah, we are live from the Les Schwab Studios. And don't forget, the summer driving season is here, you guys. So stop by any Les Schwab Tire Center. They'll throw your rig up on a rack and make sure you're ready to go through the course of the summer. Yeah, and the fall will be here before you know it. We'll be skiing and snowboarding and all that kind of crazy here in seattle you guys what has it been like one of the nicest summers i think that we've ever had and i just look at the 10-day forecast it's 79 it's 80 it's 81 for the next 10 days as long as it's not 108 yeah i've said this before tongue-in-cheek but i think i might have been right back then global warming is kind of nice for the pacific northwest most (laughs) of the time You know, there are unusual weather events like we've had and some flooding and whatnot, but for our summers, they've kind of gotten nicer. Yeah. Coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we're going to open up uh, the letter bag because my son and I, well, we've been exchanging some letters because he's uh, on his first camp where he's actually spending the night away from his father. So he's been doing that this week, so we'll get to some of that. Also, uh, we're getting a lot of mail about Richard Sherman and some of the things I said. People felt like I was too harsh. Uh, Before we get to that, though, let's get to this, Ron. I know that you are getting ready to travel, go on a big trip. You and I are talking now about going on a trip with my son, maybe uh, during Thanksgiving, and we would love to travel. And what we're hearing the president say is, hey, I've been on the phone with Canada, and we were going to let people in and out and over the border, and now they've extended that to August 21st. We see that the U.K. is beginning to shut down again. Uh, the president just had a town hall meeting. They're talking about people wearing masks once again. I have to ask you, because it seems like, as the president came out and said, this has now become a pandemic of the unvaccinated are you starting to get angry and mad that you may not be able to travel and you may not be able to walk in a store without a mask? You're going to have to throw your mask back on. Um, yeah, it would make me angry. So so far, you know, my trip to Italy with my, my brother and his family is still a go. Uh, everything that I've checked says that it's still a go because we are all vaccinated and we have the card and we can prove that we've, we've uh, had the shot. Uh, had multiple shots, and so that I, I'm I'm hoping and keeping my fingers crossed that that still stands. Uh, Italy desperately needs tourism dollars, especially the areas that we're going. Uh, United States travelers are, are going around. The, 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 like you sort of touched on a hot button with me because it's just it, it baffles the mind, and I've, I've I've talked to psychologists about this. I've talked to uh, people that do this professionally. It's like what what is it? That is causing upwards of, of 49, 50% of all Americans to choose to not get vaccinated. It's this very selective thing. It's like, is, is it a, a mental impairment in some way? Is it a bias that they cannot override? Like, what exactly is it? Is it the schooling they had when they were younger where they, uh, people can't necessarily discern facts? Like, what, what, and I'm not trying to be demeaning to anyone but like 
when you're presented with a set of information, and, and so maybe we take the vaccine and we set it off to the side because it's so charged right now. You're presented with a set of facts about it. you're trying to make a big life decision. Uh, and you're presented, let's say, let's take a medical procedure, for instance. You go to the doctor and he says, Hey, we've found out that, you know, there's something going on with you or your spouse or whatever. And you have to make a decision. What kind of treatment am I going to get? What is the best pass forward for me? And so they present you with options. And I remember my, my, my birth mom going through this when she had, uh, ended up losing her life to, to a, a, a type of cancer. And so there was specific lanes. Hey, you can take this treatment. Uh, and it has this success ratio rate. And here's what the treatment looks like. You can try this experimental treatment and here's what we think the outcomes of that might be. And then here's the thing where you could go into a double blind study where you may or may not actually be getting medicine, but you could be getting a placebo or the medicine. Here's what that looks like. And so they, they presented these three lanes and I, re- I wasn't in on all the conversations, but I wasn't on some of them. As a family, they had to sit down and figure out what are we going to do? So you either have to believe those doctors or you don't. I guess the fourth lane is you can do nothing. You can believe that you're somehow immune to this sickness or you can believe that it's somehow politically charged or you can believe there's not enough information in uh, or whatever you want to believe. Doesn't mean that the underlying sickness has gone away. Like that is something that you can do. Uh, and so in that scenario, they decided to, and they made a choice and, and that outcome happened and it, it didn't end well. Uh, but there wasn't another option. It's not like they just denied that it existed. They, they did the treatments as long as they held up. And then they, at the end of it, there was no other treatments left. And so, you know, you had a, a series of very tough decisions with this vaccine. They are presenting you with outcomes. Hey, if you get vaccinated, yes, any vaccine, any medication, almost probably everybody that's listening right now, you're on some kind of medication, whether it's aspirin all the way up to you're taking daily meds for some sort of medical condition. Every single one, you can die from aspirin. People die from aspirin every year. You, you can die from a bee sting. You can die from, uh, you know, somebody squirting Clorox into your mouth. Like there, there's a, a negative outcomes for anything. People die from walking. There's a guy in the paper today that went for a jog. He got hit by a car and he died. There are negative outcomes that happen in life. And, and so, yes, people have had negative reactions from the vaccine. But when you compare it to the number of vaccines that are out there, it's an infinitesimally small thing. Could it happen to you? Yes. In the same way that you could get struck by lightning, in the same way you could win the lottery, in the same way you could be hit by a car. And, and so th- those possible outcomes are there. Are they probable? No. What we do know is that the people that are still dying are not vaccinated. So how people are processing that information is very frustrating to me, and I don't get it. What is the upside to saying, I don't want to get vaccinated. Is it that you feel like, well, I'm not going to let anybody push me around. I'm going to be defiant. Uh, you know, I get to make my own decisions. There's not enough data in. What, what, what else do you need? Uh, well, I'm not going to be a guinea pig. Really? Like, that's your logic to like, I'm, going to ri- I'm willing to risk my, my literal health, my life, my life expectancy. I'm willing to risk that because of some arbitrary 
stubbornness that you might have or an arbitrary mistrust that you might have. So again, back to my original example, if you broke your leg, would you go to the hospital and they say, here's an x-ray that you, but you can't, you can't see this, but you have to trust me that this is your bone. How do I know it's your bone? Well, it has your name on it and you went into that machine. So I'm telling you that this is your bone. You can say, that's not my bone. I don't believe that's my bone. Prove that that's my bone. Okay. Well, this is your bone. There's a break in the bone. We would like to set this so that you'll be able to walk again. Why would someone not take that treatment? I don't believe you. Like, I'm fine. I don't, I don't believe that that's really my x-ray. I don't believe that you can really f- fix this. I don't think there's enough evidence in that setting bones is a thing. I do not get the upside for people that are choosing to willfully disregard something that not only protects you, but protects everybody else. It is maddening that this exists. There are countries in the world right now clamoring for vaccine that don't have the resources to do so. Countries like Haiti, where I've been to Haiti before, uh, they would people would gladly take it, and yet the Americans feel some entitlement that, oh, I don't need to. I, I don't need to protect everybody. I personally know of a, of a man in his 80s who got covid because of political reasons. We don't believe it. It's not going to happen to us. We're going to go to church and we're going to get COVID. And, and it's had a horrible outcome. It's just, it boggles my mind. Yeah. This, this is kind of interesting. Cause I, I was reading, I think a story in the Atlantic today and it, and it said we should, we need to pump the brakes when it comes to, drawing a line of the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated because i because i have to say i've really enjoyed going into stores in fact i was in a store on the east side yesterday we have a listing coming on a carnation a really cool ranch over there and then we have a townhome coming on and i had walked in the stores and it was really interesting because everybody in that store is a fred meyer everybody in that store had their mask off and it was just great to see people's faces and people smiling and people chat it was it was great I came back to Seattle and up here on Queen Anne and everybody had their mask back on, right? So it's interesting the way that people on Queen Anne view the pandemic versus the way, let's say, that people on the east side view the pandemic. And I was beginning to think, is is the president said the other day that, hey, this is really now a pandemic of the unvaccinated. If, if, if you have to throw that mask back on or you have travel restrictions or you're tied up and you have to stay at home again and can't go to work, even though you may want to, I, I can see people getting real angry and drawing that line. Here's what's interesting, though. There is a difference, especially in the South, especially in black and brown communities. And in this article in the in the Atlantic, they had surveyed over 5000 people in Georgia for instance. And Georgia has a very large African-American population. And what they found out is when they started talking to people in Georgia, even though the vaccine is readily available, there's a lot of people in Georgia that don't have access to it. And I'll give an example. When you and I lived in the Gulf South and we lived in places like New Orleans, uh, and you look at some of the schools, uh, a lot of kids that go to those schools are black. And a lot of those kids can't swim. And people make jokes sometimes about other athletes that are black. And if you have black friends, it's interesting. A lot of times there is a large proportion of black people that can't swim. 
and people have made jokes about it over the years. And they say, uh, well, it's it, it, they're not intelligent enough to swim. Or it's the way that uh, their bone structure is they can't swim. No, it's not it. You even know that there's water all around you in the Gulf South. There's not a lot of YMCAs where I learned to swim when I was growing up. Not only was it available to me, the ability to learn to swim, but I had access to it, right? My mom would take me to the Y when we moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Same thing. We joined the Y. We continue to learn to swim, dive, and do all those things. You go to those inner city schools, uh, and again, when you live in the Gulf South, there's water everywhere. But do you have access to somebody that's going to teach you how to do that? What they found out, especially with people that are older and African-American, even though we hear that the vaccine is available, as far as try- having access to that, for many older African-Americans, uh, it's difficult when it comes to having access. Even if they have to walk five blocks, it's difficult for them to do that. We know that in living, I learned when, when I lived in Los Angeles and I lived in South Central, trying to get an apple, trying to get an orange, trying to get a banana, right? Because there are no stores. And some of the stores that you go in, you can't find fresh produce. So it's one of the reasons why you grow up on processed food. And a lot of times people are not healthy that live in the inner cities. Well, even though that uh, oranges and peaches and pears are available, the question is, do you have access to it? So that's one of the reasons why the president has said, hey, we need to go door to door. We need to go neighborhood to neighborhood. We need to go house to house. We need to go church to church. And that's why it's so damaging when you have Fox News and a lot of the Republicans come out and say, oh, you're going door to door and you're going to take a needle and you're going to stick it in someone's arm. And, you know, what is this? Is this uh, Stalag 13? Is this uh, the Holocaust all over again? Uh, are these German stormtroopers that are part of the SS going door to door? No. What they're doing is they're trying to a- answer people's questions and let them know that the vaccine is available and then to try to provide some kind of access to that, whether that be a ride, whether that be a mobile service, whatever that is. So we can't forget growing up here in the Pacific Northwest, there's so much technology here. As soon as the vaccine was available, it was available everywhere. And that's not true in other parts of the country. And I'll leave you with this. When you think about Hurricane Katrina, a storm that that Ron and I lived through, how do tens of thousands of African-Americans get left at the Superdome. And we knew about that. There were 30,000 other people that were left basically at a community center that's three miles from the Superdome. And those folks were forgotten for weeks. How did that happen? How were they forgotten? When they didn't have access to buses or the ability to get out of the city, there were tens of thousands of people that couldn't get out of the city, over 119,000. And it's because a lot of those people, even though the buses were available, for some of them, they couldn't get through the floodwaters and they didn't have access. So I think before we draw a line and we say, you know what, it's the vaccinated against the unvaccinated. Yeah, there's Republicans out there right now and you see them pivoting. You see the governor of Florida coming out and saying, hey, the vaccine's good. It's saving lives. You see Sean Hannity coming out and saying, hey, the vaccine's good. It's saving lives. Tucker Carlson, I don't know where that guy's coming from, but evidently he's the new Bill O'Reilly and has lots of ratings and loves that as a result. But also there's many people out there that are dying because they're taking that hill. And a lot of these politicians, and I'll end it on this, a lot of these politicians that want you to not get vaccinated, like the former president, he was one of the first ones to get vaccinated. 
He just didn't ever tell anyone. We'll see you on the other side of this. Hey, you guys. I want to thank Les Schwab for sponsoring today's show. And we all know Les Schwab. It's the place to go. We tell you all the time for tires, for wheels, for batters, for brakes, and so much more. But also, when you want service and when you expect great service, well, expect Les Schwab to deliver award-winning service. And that's one of the reasons they just got the J.D. Power Award, right? Yeah, they're number one. I just had this. I got I picked up a screw uh, in my tire when I was going to the dump for one of our clients. And the tire was flat. I went to Les Schwab over in Ballard. I didn't say, hey, I'm Ron on the Rondon. You sponsored the show. I just uh, showed up. They fixed that flat, put it back on my truck. And I said, what do I owe you? And they went, Ron. This one's on us. Yeah. Don't forget, when you go to Les Schwab, they're going to treat you right and send you on down the road. You're going to experience that award-winning satisfaction for yourself that Ron's experienced, I'm experiencing, and you're going to experience it every time. So stop by or schedule your free pre-trip safety analysis right now. All you have to do is go to LesSchwab.com. That's LesSchwab.com. That's Les Schwab where they've been doing the right thing since 1952. And for J.D. Power 2021 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. That's jdpower.com slash awards. You can just tell that, they, uh, that they're that they just real genuine guys and, and care about uh, who they work with and just feel like we, you know, we got, we got some, some more friends now. It truly is one of life's biggest transactions. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Hi, I'm Oli. Hi, I'm Emmy. Hi, I'm John Greenland. I'm Lauren Greenland. Hi, my name is uh, Anthony Kroll. Hi, I'm Gretchen. And I'm Byron. And we sat down with, with Ron and Don. They were more prepared. They paid way more attention to detail. Um, and then they just came in with a, with a lot more knowledge and were able to set those expectations up a lot better than um, some of the previous uh, realtors that we worked with. So, I mean, I was, I was extremely pleased with uh, the, the entire, the, the sit down, the, the experience and, and the results, of course. There was a friendship that developed and a, and a, and a trust. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say a trust and then, you know, we yeah. have, we love them. It's been a hell of a lot of fun for one thing. I see them as, as friends now. I feel like they've made me feel part of this community and knowing that you know, Dawn's just down the street is is comforting. <laughs> we totally consider Ron and Dawn friends of ours now, and we do miss working with them. It was intense there for a little bit, but it's an experience that we'll always remember and have, and um, and now lifelong friends. It's the Ron and Dawn Nation. That's right. <laughs> Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at runanddonsitdown.com. Thanks for listening, you guys. I realize it's not easy. Charlie the dog and I have to listen to these two jokers every day. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 291 of the Ron and Don Show. And don't forget, as you just heard, we are licensed brokers at Windermere. And wow, uh, so far, we're halfway through the year. And we've done as much business as we did in all of 2020. So we want to thank you for that. And Ron, we have a lot of people that are looking to buy. We're having a lot of people that are looking to sell. And there's been kind of a shift 
here in the market. It's still a very vibrant market, but we have felt that shift, Hamilton. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I went and showed a house on Queen Anne that's a beautiful house the other day. And go back three months ago, 90 days ago, there would be 25 offers on this house. Uh, like people throwing bags of money and waving every contingency. That agent, the listing agent, called me yesterday and was like, Hey, uh, you got any feedback? Like, what do you like? Yeah. Which never would happen three months ago. Yeah. So I was like, It's a beautiful house. Like, I, he didn't come out and say that he was worried about multiple offers, but you could sort of read when people are calling you to get unsolicited feedback. Uh, usually that means their, their client is going, Dude, what what's going on? Right. Like I thought we were gonna get like my neighbors got twenty nine bids. Where are my twenty nine bids? Yeah. Uh, my coworker got you know one hundred and fifty grand over list price. Am I gonna get one hundred fifty grand over list price? And so I think he was taking the temperature of going, wow. Like I thought all the stuff that I read in the newspaper that this was gonna be a barn burner, and it should be. Yeah. Maybe it still will be. But I just found that to be really interesting that. Um, that was not happening even two weeks, two two weeks or three weeks ago that you would see this. So something has shifted. I mean, people are out of school. We had the heat wave. Uh, the Kraken now have a opening roster. So that is probably affecting the marketplace. Yeah. How are you feeling about the uh, Kraken? Are you excited about it? Well, I was. I live overlooking Lake Union, which you know I'm very lucky to be able to see the water and it's soothing and whatnot. So yesterday, there's a tugboat, or last week, there's this tugboat. Um, pulling around, it was a gigantic Kraken logo. <laughs> well, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, well, they, they floating and it was floating in the lake. They had a big party yesterday because it was a draft day for the Kraken, and so they had a big party. Uh, Gasworks, right? And, and then they had a big boat party too. So, and they yeah, were, so I got they invited were to that. All, all, the, all the new players and Marshawn Lynch was a part of it, and 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 Bobby was a part of it from the Seahawks. So. I got invited. That. I was like, why are why are people partying on a Wednesday? Like, yeah. I didn't understand it at all, so I didn't go. Oh, but um, anyway, they um. I'm gonna. I'm not a hardcore hockey guy. No, I will like to go to some games because the games are actually pretty entertaining. They are. It's weird to have two half times. Yeah. Uh, I'm not used to the period breaks, but uh, I'll go to that. I know that there are a lot of people very excited about it. The thing I'm curious about with the Kraken is will it have longevity? Mm. You know, like I think the first couple seasons, it's going to rock and roll, and people are going to. Uh, really be invested. Yeah, we are not going to do what the Las Vegas team did, where they made it. I think they made it to their finals in their first year of existence. Like that's not happening here. Yeah, uh, the stuff I've read is like, eh, you guys, you'll have upright human beings in uniforms. Uh, you know, it's not a deep team whatsoever. So don't expect uh, what happened in, in Vegas to happen in Seattle. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. All my friends just like calling me and saying, what's cracking? Like everybody, everybody the loves asking. We missed what, out on everybody a, asks what's cracking. We missed out on the best franchise name ever. And I talked about this when we were still on the radio. Seattle freeze yeah. would have been the greatest name ever. Yeah. Why is that? Well, you have the freeze was a, that, that animated character where he used to ride around on a frozen surfboard. Yeah. So like you could have had a version of that as your logo. And then the Seattle freeze is the thing that everybody knows about in terms of when people move here sure. and they get the Seattle freeze. So it had double meaning would have had incredible merch. Uh, the Kraken kind of got taken over by the, 
you know, the bumbling uh, tribe of Trump lawyers were called Team Kraken. Oh. And so that's been in the media ad nauseum with those, you know, doofuses. Yeah. Uh, that are all getting their licenses revoked to practice law. Oh. Like like uh, Rudy was part of Team Kraken. That's what's Kraken. So uh, that sort of soured it for me. Yeah. I, I have to say, you, you and I, when we were in sports radio, we covered the San Jose Sharks. And then also we used to do the periods for the uh, – between the periods, we would do some stuff down on the ice – for the Phoenix Coyotes. And I didn't know that much about hockey. I do have to say. I still don't know that much when you, about yeah, hockey. I still know. When, when you get down at ice level, though, when you get down at ice level and and you see these guys playing hockey, they are some of the greatest, most graceful, violent athletes that you've ever seen. Yeah. You, you see grace. You see beauty in the way that they skate. Some of these guys could be figure skaters in the Olympics. I mean, they are so good, and they have all that gear on, and and, and they've been in those skates, you know, since they were uh, since they were little boys, it's since they were like little kids. The NFL, but give someone a stick and make them go twenty five to yeah. thirty miles an yeah. hour. Yeah. So so if you don't get the game, and a lot of times there are there are there's sports out there that don't translate well on television, and and sometimes soccer can be that for me. But once you go to a soccer game, and then I watch it on TV, I still don't yeah, enjoy you soccer. Go, you go to a match. But so, so I have to say though, hockey. When you go, time if out. You, if you, you go to a match at the pitch. Is that what? When we, you're going to the soccer game? Oh, I, I'm not talking about that anymore. I'm talking about I'm 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 okay. I'm, ba- I'm back to the back to hockey. Yeah, so I I'm very excited about them being here, and and I think people will fill those seats because I think you'll have a lot of people that have a connection to Canada and also big cities where uh where where people have grown up playing hockey. I appreciation just secretly hockey. hope it's I a think, gateway drug to get the NBA NBA back to Seattle. Yeah, wouldn't that be cool? I would love that. Yeah. So so anyways, what's cracking is the cracking, and uh, they. They just had a big party here in Seattle, and uh, I can't wait uh, to actually go to a game this year. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, you guys. So anyway, don't go anywhere. We come back. We're going to open the mailbag. Uh, there's a big reaction to some of the things we said about Richard Sherman last week. And also, my son is at camp, his first overnight camp, and uh, I've written him a couple letters Oh, he's overnight camp. That's right. Yes, his first nice. overnight camp. And uh, I'll share one of those letters with you next. Hi, this is Therese, the new buyer specialist for all of you in the Ron and Don Nation. If you're going to win a house in such a competitive market, you better have a good strategist. And that's what I specialize in. When you're ready to sit down with us, go to ronanddonsitdown.com. And now back to the show. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 291. We are live from the Les Schwab Studios. Mail. They get lots of mail. Ron and Don's got mail. First class, sixth class, overnight. Mail. Oh, a lot of mail. Ron and Don's got mail. What's in the bag tonight, Ron and Don? All right, here we go. Uh, let's open up the uh, mailbag here, and uh, we have a couple letters in here. In fact, one of the letters is for me to my son. We'll get to that in a moment. Before we go to that, though, let's get to uh, Richard Sherman. Uh, a couple weeks ago on a Tuesday night, he had a rough Tuesday night, and uh, we know now that he jumped in a car. He uh, It apparently uh, was driving under the influence, but we don't know that yet. That hasn't been proven in a court of law. Uh, we know that he had an encounter with police. We know that his uh, wife called 911. We know that he showed up 
at his in-law's house, and we know that he was trying to beat the door down. We also know that his father-in-law was on the other side, pepper sprayed him, and then also had a gun. And then uh, finally, the police showed up. There was an altercation, uh, and he ended up spending two days in jail. So now he's out, and a lot of people are wishing for Richard Sherman to come back, restart the Legion of Boom. He's 33. It'd be great to have him be a Seahawk again. And so I wrote something, put it up on social media, and then we talked about this in one of our episodes. I think it was episode 289. 288 is where we talked about the fact that I think if we really love Richard and we care about him, that uh, I wish him to never play football again. Because I think CTE is a real thing. When you think about, when you think about that protein that grows on the brain, that shuts down the frontal lobes, that starts early dementia uh, and motor functions, we see a lot of guys in the NFL. I'll give you an example. Kyle Turley, who used to play for the New Orleans Saints. When he got out of the NFL, he began to see that he was forgetting things. He began to see that his frontal lobes were disconnecting. That's the braking system of the brain. He was beginning to feel rage, beginning to feel anger about little things towards his kids, his babies, his wife, his family members. And so what he did is he moved out of the home and he was still married to his wife, but he, and he did all this on his own because he could see what was coming. So he moved out of his home. Uh, he gave away all his guns and he just said, you know, I have to prepare to separate myself from my family as I go on this journey, uh, because he believed that he had permanent brain damage as a result of playing in the national football league. And we have learned now when we look at players like David Dewerson, who played for the Chicago bears, number 22, he's a guy that took out a gun. And we're talking about a guy that owned many McDonald's. He was a millionaire, lost everything, became very violent and enraged with his family. Again, had to be separated from his family. His wife filed for divorce. He lost his relationship with his kids. He committed suicide. And so they could study his brain at the brain bank. This old Chicago bear shot himself in the heart instead of the head. We think Junior Sehow when he committed suicide. Well, guess what? When he played for San Diego, uh, he actually tried to commit suicide by driving off a cliff and it didn't work. And so he decided a year later uh, that he would do the same thing and he shot himself in the heart and not the head. There's, there's just a couple examples, you guys. And we talked about working for the Raiders, working for the Cowboys, knowing players that have just become very violent, who used to be so sweet and so kind and so nice. And so that's why I'm concerned about Richard Sherman still playing football on Sundays. And I think, and, and some people thought I was a little too harsh, if, if you drink two fists, Two full bottles, two full bottles of vodka, let's say. And that's what his wife reported. If you're able to do that, it means that you have, you have been drinking for a very long time. And you, when it what started out as a quarter of a fifth, it didn't get you there as far as calming down the brain and shutting off those frontal lobes and feeling some type of relief. So then you drink a half, then you go to three quarters, then you drink a whole bottle. How you arrive at, at two bottles of vodka, let's say, uh, you have to be drinking and numbing for a very long time. I said that nobody's coming to save Richard Sherman. He'll have to save himself. And there's a lot of work ahead for him. And I know this because I've had to go through the same type of work. Uh, if you look at the lead singer, Metallica, uh, I love what he said. 
because he came home one day and his wife had locked the door. She said, you know what, James, I'm filing for divorce and you're not welcome here anymore unless you go get help. And so what James did is he went and got help and he said it was like tearing his inner frame and his inner core just down to the studs. That's what it feels like. And when we hear the word recovery, recovery just means that you have placed yourself in a position to deal with the fact of why you're numbing, to deal with the fact of why you have all this pain in your life, and then to go on this journey of beginning to recover the relationships and the connections that you no longer have because the relationship with a substance is more important than your relationship with your wife or with your partner or with your kids or with your mom or your dad. So some people felt like I was very harsh, And to be honest, I don't feel like I was harsh enough. What Richard Sherman did was violent. What he did uh, was emotional abuse, sometimes emotional abuse. If you've grown up in a family where you experienced emotional abuse, sometimes emotional abuse can be harder to overcome than actual physical abuse. Ron, your thoughts? So yeah, this this message that you wrote uh, went out to thousands and thousands of people, and it elicited a lot of strong reactions. I got I got quite a few texts about it as well from people. We haven't talked about it, but I, I guess how then do you have compassion for someone in that scenario that you know is if you, if you if you believe that alcoholism is a disease and substance abuse is a disease, and that behaviors happen while under the influence that wouldn't happen if you weren't under the influence. Like that's At least that's the education I've received around alcoholism, that there is such a thing as an alcoholic brain, and it does impair your life to such a degree that um, if you're a loved one or a fan of someone like Richard Sherman, how, how do you separate out he made a series of bad decisions, put people in danger, and, uh, and all of that stuff is true. And I think people will be justified if you want to throw the book at him in air quotes, if you want to punish him in some way. But is there a lane where you go, yes, all that happened, but there's still a human being in there that has accomplished a lot, overcome a lot, comes from a place that I may not understand and had a, has had a life that I... I cannot relate to and is reached out to try to soothe something where is there a lane to be compassionate for maybe not just Richard Sherman, but someone in our life that that struggles with totally. What I didn't like is him walking into court, holding his wife's hand. I didn't like that. Uh, didn't like that at all, especially when we know what happened with his wife's mom and dad, you, you, you walk into court on your own. Don't put your wife in that position. Uh, I didn't like that. And, and, and I think there, there is lots of room for that. In fact, I think lots of people are giving him that room because, because of who he is. And I, I, I look at that and I can just see like, for instance, when it comes to a disease, uh, I see people embrace that, but it's not a disease in the same, in, in the same way that when you have a heart attack, uh, and, and, and you end up dying from a heart attack. The, the question is, did you contribute to that heart attack because the way you lived and you didn't give him an F about the, taking care of yourself or eating? Or, 
then then I don't have a lot of compassion for a person that has a heart attack like that, that gave themselves a heart attack, that participated in that. And it's the same thing when it when it comes to alcohol, at least in my life. And I know there's people that are addicted to that substance, but there's lots of us out there that are just numbing. And to say, well, you know what? I can't control it. It's just a disease. If you were to go sit in some room somewhere, like even in an AA room, and I've sat in an AA room seven times, People don't put up with that, right? And so for me, when I look at Richard and I see the commonality in my behavior and in my life, and I see the common things in Richard's life, I just know that he has a lot of work ahead. And if he's willing to do the work, I'm willing to be here as, as, as a friend and as a partner. But if he's not willing to do the work, uh, and, and I just walking into that courtroom holding your wife's hand, I just don't think there's a lot of emotional intelligence. It, it seems in that. like for you, the whole thing hinges on the um, that he drank two bottles of booze. Because if it was just, would it be different if it was like, hey, Richard was out, he doesn't have a drink, he's not an alcoholic, but he just happened to that night he uh, drank so, too much. So, some, something happened when he was back in California. I think, I, and I don't know if that's one of the reasons he's not with the Niners, but I know that's when his wife started calling people. I know that there's a court case that's been completely sealed. And I know that the judge was concerned about the safety of people in his family. So this isn't the first time right. that this has happened. This is just the first time just you got for caught. You, if, take a, a different person that's beloved in the community and they just had a, a bad night like there's no none of that other extraneous nah, it's not a bad night when you when you the, the violence that i saw all right and 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 you brought up the fact that the father-in-law was on the other side of the door with a loaded gun and, and was prepared to shoot him that's something else that's not a bad night yeah I, I still find myself i'm rooting i root for the human being how am i not rooting for the human being no i think that no. you you are i am it, it is it is it is but cut the crap. Don't walk into court holding your wife's hand. That is BS right there. And, and that, is, that, that continues to be emotional abuse. You go in that court. You go on your own. You take responsibility. And as I said before, even in his apology, he didn't apologize to his kids. They're going to be asked about that as they grow up and go to school. He didn't apologize to his mother-in-law and his father-in-law. He didn't do any of that. He just said that he was going to get some help. And I think it's good that he's going to get some help. But at the end of the day, it's like my therapist tells me when I first sat there with her, she said this, she goes, you know what, Don? This is after a couple uh, times I went to see her. She's like, hey, guess what? Every time you come in here, I make $180, okay? And I'm a capitalist. So every time you come in here, you can tell me anything that you want to tell. And I'm going to take your $180. And if you want to consider this therapy, great. She said, but you know what I would do before you come back and spend $180? Cut the crap and decide whether you want to be honest with other people. And being honest with other people starts with being honest with yourself. I'll give you the final say. You can pay $180 dollars <laughs> One more letter. Let me get to a letter here real quick. Uh, my son is off at camp. Do you remember? Do you remember? We, you and I used to go to a lot of camps together, and then uh, later oh, on, we used we used worst. to we used to run camps, horse camps, and water ski camps, and all that. I didn't think those camps were were the, the one worst. in Brownsville, thought, Texas, was the worst. That was the worst. Yeah, but the one the one after that at the lake and at the 
the mountain was wasn't that bad. We went to Brownsville, Texas. It was a hundred and what was it, hundred and ten, hundred and eleven oh, every day. Man, brutal. No air conditioning, not a cloud in the sky, lots of mosquitoes, and I don't think they made bug repellent back then. Oh my so, gosh, it was the worst. Yeah. But anyway, uh, my son's off at camp. He's off at a camp on uh, Vashon Island. And he told me in confidence that he was really worried about going and being by himself and being away from people he loved and cared about. And I just figure once kids go to camp and they fall in love with somebody for the first time or you discover matches and you start burning things, that's when you've decided that you want to separate from your... Yeah, you never call your dad. He still calls me daddy in private moments. That, that uh, he may come home from camp and just start calling me dad, and we will we'll know that he fell in hey, love. Dawn, <laughs> we may, we'll know that he either discovered fire or met a girl. So anyway, any, anyway, what we, what we're allowed to do, and he can't write us back, is to and let me let me ask you what, you what you would do. You can send a care package, but it has to be for all eight kids in his cabin. You can write a letter, and there's mail call every day, and they will hand out the letters in the morning, or. You can do nothing, and then during mail call, they get nothing. What would you do? Well, A, I don't have any children. (laughs) I think... What would you do? I think the care package seems like you're trying too hard. Yeah. So I would write multiple letters. Okay. I, I I just wrote two letters and I figured, you know what? It's good for him to sit there and not get a letter. It's good for him to sit there and not get a care package. And he's only gone for five days. But right. but if you but if you're not around your parents and family and friends and all that for five days at that age, that can be a lot. So anyway, I wrote this the other day. I said, Good morning. This is yesterday. Good morning, young man. It's daddy. Uh, I'm just thinking about what it's like to sleep uh, in a cabin with seven other kids. That's so crazy. I wonder if any of the other campers snore. Or have smelly feet like we do, or fart in the middle of the night. I bet that's guaranteed with camp food. Yeah. What's the food like there? Does it taste like barf? Uh, <laughs> I also said, I wonder if they have pizza. Just so you know, I'm eating pizza all by myself right now. Uh, Charlie and I are doing well, but we sure do miss you. I hope you're making new friends. You're enjoying the beauty of Vashon Island. Uh, did you know that our friend Mabel lives right near there? And they just had a baby brother. Did you know that? I did not know that. Kanan just had a, a baby boy. So congratulations to uh, uh, Kanan. And also his wife was a part of this. I believe she was. Yeah. Correct. Uh, I keep watching the video of you catching fish with Mr. Jim last week. That was so cool. Anyway, I hope you have a great day today, Bubba. Don't forget how much your family loves you. See you real soon. Love uh, Daddy and Charlie. So anyway, it's not a care package, but it's a, it's a letter. And hopefully the farting and the smelly feet... Um, We'll make him think about home. <laughs> There's a lot of that goes, goes on here. Hey, you guys, uh, keep your head up and your shoulders back. Thanks for giving us great lives. Don't forget, we are licensed brokers at Windermere. We do something called the Ron and Don Sit Down. So when you're ready to sit down with us, just go to ronanddonsitdown.com and we'll get that going today. Also, yeah, just five closings in five days. We talked about that last week. And then uh, we just brought on a really cool ranch in Carnation. We have a cool townhome over in Lake Sammamish. We have a really cool townhome here on Beacon Hill. And we're getting ready to get on, uh, bring on a beautiful home on 12th Avenue. Oh, I can't even say that, can I? Can't say it. I cannot say that. Anyway, we're getting ready to bring on beautiful homes all over the place. That's what I can say. All right, head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. Only the Ronnie Don Radio Network. Keep your head up and your shoulders back, and we'll see you next time on the Ronnie Don Radio Network.